Hello and welcome to episode four of Lauren Robert's Left Peg, the Newcastle United podcast brought to you by AMS Media, hosted by me, Harry Simiou, and I'm joined once again by the brilliant Harry DeCosimo. Welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Harry. Thanks for having me back again. It's great to speak to you. It's, these podcasts are a real um, shining light in my week, I think. <laughs> I, I really look forward to these podcasts because they give me a bit of structure in my week, which I think, as everybody out there is feeling at the moment, doesn't really happen elsewhere, does it? So. Absolutely. And well, this podcast wouldn't be a decent podcast without you because it's your knowledge of Newcastle United that people tune in to listen to, not my uh, blabberings in my London accent. So there we go. Um, <laughs> Harry, let's start by talking about the takeover. What's the update on that? We keep hearing that it's going to be announced any day. It's getting closer. It's edging closer. We're just waiting for an announcement in the next 48 hours. And it still hasn't happened. What's the update and how do you see it? It's still with the Premier League, so nobody knows. And a lot of things have been sort of taken because the attitude of the fans, I think, understandably, is such that they are desperate and they're and they're worried that you know every day that goes by they worry about it. They've started to, and they've heard you know it's going to happen by the end of April, by the start of May next week. All these dates that have been put on it by me included. I will you know I'll hold my hands up to that as well. Because that's what I've been told at each stage that I've been that every time I've tried to find anything out. The situation is basically it's still with the Premier League. Um, there isn't a deadline on it, so you know it, it, it could take as long as it takes. You've got to think of all of the things that are in the way. You know, lockdown itself, um, the Premier League project restart will take a thing. There was all this this story about the, the new evidence in the piracy case. Um, but the fit and proper persons test, as far as I understand it, only looks towards things like um, convictions, which obviously the Saudi Arabian um, uh, public investment fund and then the government and Bin Salman and all those people, you know, all those things. There are a lot of questions over there morals and and what they've done and stuff but there aren't any convictions so it well they're not going to convict themselves are they so (laughs) yeah there is that as well but but there aren't any so there's nothing to worry about still is the is the situation with the fit fit and proper purpose uh, person's test the there's a couple of hiccups and and you know delays to do with the um but delays as i say a delay is is it a delay if there isn't a time frame you know but everything since it's coming but i still expect it to go through i still you know everybody's the noises are still positive um i just think now i'm going to be careful as to, to say when it'll happen because i've said it'll happen at least the i think this is you said this is our fourth podcast that i've said it'll happen next week and at least three of them now so far but so to be fair yeah, to you harry you're, you're not the only one though and, and that's, no, the, that's the key point here. There is lots and lots of journalists who are obviously getting the same information and, you know, telling the same information to their followership because that is what the common consensus is. So don't beat yourself up about it because it's not you specifically who, you know, who has said that it's going to happen and it hasn't. We don't, like you said, we don't know what the delays are. Um, I think from my own personal opinion that the pressure that's being 
put on the Premier League to make sure that they do this right is probably contributing to the delay. We've heard about the piracy. There's the human rights violations that people have been raising. There was a report in The Sun today or yesterday, and I know it's The Sun, and we shouldn't really take too much notice of most of the things that they report, but they've said that a number of Premier League clubs have voiced concerns about the takeover as well and about the deal being ratified. So it's, you know, it feels like it's a far more complex process than it would be perhaps with another club and with another potential owner. I think the other thing that you've got to mention, I think, um, I think it was Keith Downey from Sky Sports News said that on Twitter the other day um, that if somebody who know who he knows who's close to who's been close to these sorts of deals before says that around this time when it goes quiet for a similar amount of time that is now anyway, it's just that the only difference is there are so many eyes on this, people who aren't happy with it, people who want it to happen, people you know Newcastle fans as we mentioned, everybody wants news. You know, they're refreshing their Twitter uh, every day looking for these news. And I haven't had it so much so bad, but a lot of other people, a lot of higher journalists than I have, constantly their, their timelines must just be full of people asking the same questions. And I think it's been sort of magnified to a degree. There, there, obviously, there is a delay. Obviously, the facts that we've said about it happening at the end of April, it happening at the start of May and whatever, it still hasn't happened. So there is still some sort of level of, of question as to why that is. And they're fair enough, but I think the important thing to to realise is that actually very little has changed. And the more that every day that goes by where you don't hear of anything really concrete coming from the Premier League saying this is a problem, whether it be the piracy or the human rights angle, then that's that you are a day closer to it being announced than a day further away, which I think is a lot of where Newcastle fans are getting confused. I think that's. It's building that hysteria again, and this whole thing from the moment that Mike Ashley put the trans put the club up for sale has been filled with hysteria. I think the whole thing is 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 is, is has been you know played because it's been played out of public because so many people are so desperate for it to happen. It hasn't been allowed to fester in the background like most deals like this would be. Absolutely, and equally, just as many people are out there who don't want this to happen as well, which makes it even more complicated and even more uh, difficult because. Like you said, the Newcastle fans are desperate to see it happen, but there are many who are in complete opposition to it and don't want to see it happen. And that can only add pressure. And I guess from the Premier League's perspective, they have to ensure that they cross every T, dot every I. I think I said that the wrong way around, but whatever. um, And make sure that nothing slips through the net, because if it does, then it's going to come back on them, given... the 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 hysteria like you said that's been around it and the the uproar that has come from some of these people you know that there's the piracy stuff there's the human rights stuff there's so many angles of opposition to this that they have to do their job properly and if it takes a little bit longer to make sure that they do it right then so be it i guess that's just the way the world um let's talk about danny rose um of course on loan at Newcastle United. Um, If the season continues, he'll continue there, but we don't know what's going to happen with that uh, at this moment in time. But Danny Rose has been quite vocal in criticising the Premier League's project restart. Now, of course, there's been some meetings this week um, and Danny Rose was quoted as saying, football shouldn't even be spoken about until the numbers have dropped massively. People's lives are at risk. Uh, This comes after the government said that Uh, professional sport could resume from the 1st of June behind closed doors to be broadcast. Um, 
that seems to have lifted the spirits of some. Some are glad to hear it and to know that football is not too far away from a return. But others are concerned by this. And Danny Rose has been very, very vocal about that. What have you made of his comments? Well, first of all, Danny Rose said it in a much more sort of colourful way than you did. Um, <laughs> he said it a lot more with a few more F-bombs. And it's a PG like show, that. man. It's a PG show. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think I think that's Danny Rose in a nutshell. He's always been like that. He's he's not been afraid to speak his mind and he deserves to be um, you know, acclaimed for that in a sense. Um, I agree with his message, particularly the, the idea that footballers come back to entertain the nation in these tough times. That, that is a is a disturbing at best, you know, idea from 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 anyone. I think it's Dominic Raab said it recently. Um, it's a it's a it's not a very good look for anyone saying that because basically what you're saying is that these people are less important. They are there. They are you know they are court jesters. It feels so that's what it feels like. At least, uh, you know, it, it feels like, you know, it's not the footballer's responsibility to entertain people in a situation where their lives are at risk. Um, because not only them, but their families, they are just like any other person going to work, um, you know, whether they, you know, are now going to back to work this week because of, because of what Boris Johnson said on Sunday, or whether they're going back to work in July because they're in the, the hospitality sector. Footballers in this instance, no matter what they earn, no matter how much time they spend on TV, no matter the size of the house, no matter the size of the Twitter following, they are exactly in the same boat as everybody else. And there, you know, I, I think the whole Project Restart thing, you know, I was all for starting the season, ending the season, sorry, Harry. I think we spoke on uh, one of your other shows a few weeks ago about this. And back then I was all for it. But I think a lot of people have said that they're all for it. And then there's actually a little pause when they're actually asked to explain how it's like, yeah, we should do it. But then there's all sorts of issues with contracts and whatever that we've come across. Um, and I, the one thing that really bothers me is there's a lot of talk about um, modifying the rules of football to make it safer in a, in a social distancing coronavirus world, like turning your back after you've tackled somebody or yeah. not getting close at corners if it if it's i think gary neville said this on sky sports this morning if it's such if it's so bad if it's that bad that you're talking about that being the case then you cannot start football again Agreed. so i absolutely agree with with what danny rose said and agree with the force in which he said it because i think that you know this isn't a, the only reason we're talking about this in the detail that, that we are is because he happens to be on loan at newcastle united but i think um it's a, it's a it's a point that needs to be made generally across the board. If if you are, you know, um, if you do have worries about it, you shouldn't. You should be able to voice those worries just like anybody else. You know, people up and down the up and down the country, and then you know they're not gonna you know they're not gonna be able to play in masks or in, in general PPE or anything like this. That that other people in, in other walks of life are, are justifiably asking for in terms of protection before they go back to work. What is there in place for footballers other than these mad rules about changing there is the way you can tackle it? It just feels very strange that you would even sort of comprehend the idea of bringing football back so soon when those things are on the table. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned um, 
you know, I've lost my trailer for there. But what I was going to say was you mentioned about the rules and the way that they're talking about adapting certain things. Now, I watched the K-League game the other day. That is how desperate I've gotten for live football. I watched um, as well. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they were talking in the commentary about the fact that players had been instructed to keep communication on the field down to a minimum, i.e. don't shout where you don't need to from risk of spreading this virus. The managers, the coaches were all wearing masks, um, sponsored masks, I have to add as well, um, which I'm sure we're going to see some of that in the Premier League as well. Um, But you're absolutely right. You can't bring football back if you need to adapt the way the game is played to, to do so, because that then suggests that Actually, it's not safe enough to do so. So what the hell are you doing? But it is all about money and it is all about, um, you know, making sure that sponsorship agreements are fulfilled. That's why partly why the fuss was being kicked up about playing at neutral stadiums. Um, But one thing I I will throw at you, Harry, and I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here just for sort of the purpose of the discussion, because I think it is worth exploring this side of it as well. Why is it? okay for somebody in construction or in another job and I heard today that a state a friend of mine who's an estate agent that they're going to be opening why is it okay for all of those people to go back to work but it's not okay for footballers to go to work and you could argue that given the scrutiny on football and the finance that is involved they will probably be in a more protected environment than anybody else so can the government take the football saying no we're not going to come back but then force others to go to work i don't first of all i don't think i particularly have the idea of other people going back to work i have a lot of fear for for certain members of my family uh, going back to, to to their jobs and I've, I've had a lot of discussions like that and i think that the thing that needs to be remembered throughout this whole thing is as i mentioned i alluded to earlier forget size of twitter following and money and whatever people are people in, in and in that's remembered more so it's magnified in a situation like this um i don't necessarily have a problem with football coming back i just think what my point that i was making is it's ridiculous to say it should come back to entertain the nation which is sort of suggests that the idea of that you are skirting around the safety of it so it's like it doesn't necessarily matter that that it might not be that safe it's for the purpose of entertaining other people who are at home being furloughed and not and not able to move out of their house right now. That's the sort of message, whether they mean it or not, that's the sort of message saying something like that comes across, and that's the issue I have with it. As well as, I think, um, if you're talking about social distancing and all this stuff, it's much easier to do in regular jobs than it is in a, on a sporting field because football is a reaction game. It's... Um, a game where you only think five or ten seconds ahead. You don't think about what you know about things like avoiding an illness. You don't, it, it, and all of these things like tackling and I think they're all second nature to footballers who have done it since they were children. They've they've learned a certain way, and to ask them to um, to change their ways for the sake of avoiding a virus, it's sort of it, it's 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 not as easy as it sounds to, you know that the players aren't aren't able to to change their behavior very quickly so i think that footballers shouldn't 
got, should should wait longer than construction or anything like that or anything. You know, it's nothing to do with that really. What I'm what my problem with football specifically is that it's twofold. One is that you you can't say that you know that they have to go back and um, and entertain it and, and for the sake of entertaining everyone as if those those players, their staff and and uh, coaches and their families are all somehow not as important as people who are at home. But also, um, you know, if 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 it's so, if it's it would be the same thing as as with with play, with people at schools who are you know where they're saying about um, thirty kids in a classroom can't you know social distancing. I mean, if it's not possible to do it, don't try. And it's yeah. the same principle here. If it's not possible to to, mark to play the game the way we play it. To play the game it's meant to be played, marking a player at a corner properly, tackling properly, getting in you know somebody's face properly, as you would in a normal football match, you'd want them to do in a normal football match, then just wait till you can. That's the only way forward. That's my point, isn't it? There, you know, I understand what you're saying to a degree, but I I, I don't necessarily think that... Um, I think footballers should be viewed like everybody else, both yeah. in both directions. And, more, and recently... With this and the way that they were called out with the um, with the wage issue last month, they're not being viewed as as fair, you know, even fairly. And it's being excused by the fact they somehow somehow by the fact they earn stupid amounts of money. Yeah, and and I want to be clear. I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. That that is not my view. Yeah. Um. You know, I agree with you. I don't think that football should come back if it can't come back as the game that we love. Now I appreciate there are some people even saying we shouldn't even be playing football behind closed doors because football without fans is nothing. But for me, that is okay for a little while because of the circumstances. I can live with that. I can accept that. And you know, I'm going to miss going to football games, but I think that we have to accept that mass gatherings can't take place for a little while. But, and another point, just a random thought I had while, whilst you were talking, Harry, Surely, if you want to entertain the nation, and I just want to make it clear, I don't think any sport should be being played at this moment in time. But if you wanted to entertain the nation, surely something like Wimbledon would have been a far easier event to to manage this because there's a it's a one on one sport. You're playing in separate sides of the court. It's possible to keep the social distance. Surely, if you're looking at entertaining the nation and going to try get a sport up and running again and again I'm not saying I want to see tennis players put at risk but there are other sports and other things that could entertain the nation that would be far easier to manage in these current circumstances yeah I think I think the the wider point there that you're making Harry is that or that I'm taking certainly from what you're saying is it isn't necessarily about tennis it's about all of these things that people are saying to do with why football should come back are easily scrubbed away and the real reason, which is to do with money, is laid bare thereafter. And I think that's because tennis is a sport, and golf, um, and others, the tournament on Sky Sports with um, Rory McIlroy this weekend for charity. Um, but golf and tennis are non-contact sports that have come been allowed by Boris Johnson as of today, I think. So I understand. Um, I think the wider point is that you know any any real reason for bringing football back is, you know, if you're trying to pretend it's to do anything to do with uh, for anything than money, then, then it's, it's quite easy to 
to dis to disconnect from that. And Absolutely. I think a lot. But but the answer, the wider answer as to whether the football should come back, partly lies not all because the the, the situation in Germany and Britain is completely different because of the way it's been handled in those respective countries, but partly lies in what happens this weekend with the Bundesliga and how, how it's done there. And I think Britain can, you know, in the Premier League can take a lot of lessons from that for maybe the sake of three or four weeks' time when the situation is a little bit more clear on whether it is time to come back as they've, as they've tried to put forward. Absolutely. The Bundesliga it is a great example of how you organise something and you get it done. Now, I know it hasn't kicked off again yet and there could be setbacks and everybody who, who works um, in that sort of, well, in the Bundesliga space that I've spoken to and I had the pleasure of talking to Kevin Hatchard the other day, a Bundesliga commentator, and he said that, you know, there is a, an acceptance in Germany that if things get bad again, they will stop it and the season may not be concluded. But they're going to try and they're going to give it a go. And the key point that you made there, Harry, was that the situation in Germany is very different to the one here in the UK. We're talking about 33,000 people dead here in the UK. In Germany, the last time I looked, which admittedly was three or four days ago when I was doing a podcast uh, based around that, it was no more than 7,000. So you can see there's a massive difference in the handling of this thing and the fact that Germany has a bit larger population as well and that smaller percentage have been hit by this thing shows you that they've dealt with it better and that's a separate debate for us another day about the government's handling of the whole thing but you know I think that the problem here is that we didn't learn our lessons from what happened in the likes of Italy and you know mm. they were the first in Europe to be hit by it really badly and so I, I'm not going to sit here and point fingers and say they got it wrong because nobody understood the scale of this thing, uh, particularly in Europe, until it hit um, Italy. So they were unfortunate to be the first, but the countries around them that were looking at that and watching that unfold and have failed to deal with it, what is their excuse? They don't have one. They simply don't have one. And the UK is in this situation where the economy's in danger professional sport um, is in danger and various other things that people's jobs, people's livelihoods, people's mental health even uh, have got to this point purely because ultimately things weren't done properly in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the final thing to say on that is, I mean, think about how many lives were saved by Mikel Arteta's diagnosis, positive testing was it mid-March. And that was the, you know, because it's easy to forget that the Premier League was all set to go ahead, fans and everything, you know, just as it had the previous week. After the Arsenal game was cut against Man City and it was going ahead, I was planning to go on the train and I was worried about going on the train to, to, to Newcastle and to St James's Park for a game against Sheffield United. Um, worries that I hadn't had the previous week. It was that quickly it, it deteriorated. Yeah, and the, the week before... I was at yeah. Arsenal West Ham and on the Wednesday when we were due to play Manchester City, I was on Talk Sport at, uh, I think it was midnight on the sports bar, about to preview the game and just as I was about to go live on air, the announcement came out. So that's how late in the day it came. Yeah. And you think about the difference of how, of you know, how these, how these, how many lives could have, were, were saved by that. By that announcement, because it was it was literally like it, because it was almost as if public opinion, but, but common sense prevailed. Because 
because to a degree everyone was already like it's mad to, to carry on as it is on the on the Thursday and the Friday before the weekend, and then the Arteta news and subsequently the Hudson Odoi news broke, and it was like okay, it can't happen, and that and that would have been, you, know, you would have seen and I don't know, I don't want to speculate on how many more lives lost, but it would have been interesting to to see and, and tragic to see as well. Absolutely. Harry, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, we've run out of time this week, but as always, a great discussion, um, a bit of a wider discussion this week. And it's only right given what's going on in, in the world and in the UK at the moment. So uh, thank you so much, uh, guys. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at LRLP podcast. You can email us at LRLP podcast at gmail.com com um what else you can subscribe you can review and you can share it with all your newcastle united friends and uh, we'll be setting up our youtube channel over the coming days um and you'll be able to watch us on video as well so you'll be able to see our lovely faces and then you'll probably tell us that we've got faces for radio uh but we can take it don't worry we're big no, boys. I, have. <laughs> I have too mate don't worry and uh yeah lovely stuff thank you so much for joining in and fingers crossed by the next episode, we'll have a takeover to announce. Until next time, take care. Give Harry a follow. Uh, his information is in the description below. And we'll be back soon. Cheers.